if, for those of you that saw last week with Ray Ortland, this is what you might call a step in the wrong direction. A <laughs> <laughs> big letdown. <laughs> it was. I, I'll just call it whiplash. I, uh, I, yeah. Last week, I got off the call with Ray and Jeff, and I felt like I had just done a Zoom call with the Apostle John. <laughs> mm. And mm. this week, I don't what do you know. say, Mark? I, well, this week I'm thinking it's going to be like with Peter. You know, like. Mm. You know, like oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. yeah. Hey, for those of you guys that don't know, this is Gavin Johnson and Chris Haruska. They are pastors at City Light in Omaha. And you guys are like, uh, you guys Legend. are like brothers, you know, through my mom and dad. You guys, um, my parents have had, we, we always had, we were the house where I always had people living with us. Uh, we always had, you know, hosting gatherings. And uh, you guys are two guys. Um, you know, in my, that are, uh, that I see when I go back and, uh, love you guys like brothers, not just in Christ, but man, I feel like a connection with you guys and a love for what God is doing through you in Omaha. So I want to share all that good stuff. What we're doing here at the round table, just to explain to you guys is we're, we're fighting isolation, you know, yeah. that this quarantine has, we're trying to let people in on the conversations that we're having as pastors and, brothers and sisters in Christ to just encourage people. Um, we're just having a fun conversation with people we love. So there's no huge agenda here. Um, just to catch up, see what God's up to. And so I want to start by just asking your, just give us a quick bio and backstory on, on you, you know, who you are. Just introduce yourself to our people. Go ahead, Gabby. Yeah, I love it. Chris, I'm gonna let you go first. No, I'm gonna let you go first. But before I do that, I just gotta get this out of the way so that we can move on to our spiritual things. But I am just struck. Dodge is Brett Favre's absolute <laughs> doppelganger. Look at that. Not the same human being, bro. Hey. I feel like we should ask you about your NFL career, right? Oh man. Oh, all right. Man, I just man. had to say. All right, I'm gonna think about it. That's how you're supposed to. <laughs> Chris, Jeff, go ahead. Jeff, what you, Jeff, what you doing? What you doing with all that Wrangler money, boy? I know, I right? <laughs> I was thinking that same thing, dude. If no. only, if only. Jeff, Jeff, that silver fox, boy. You got that gray for men going on. I see you, Is this man. part of the agenda, Mark? Is this that agenda? Oh, everyone, strap it in. Strap it all in. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, my name's Chris in Omaha, Nebraska. A little bit about me. I am married to an amazing woman, Kristen. We have four little kids. Uh, I grew up uh, right here in the city of Omaha, played high school basketball, met Jesus at the Harvard of the Midwest. You might have heard of it. Wayne State College, the only place that you don't have to score any number on the ACT to get in. Shout out. Love it. Um, and uh, then Gavin in 2012 called me to plant a church. And uh, it sounded like a tremendously horrible opportunity to basically uh, take a risk with a brother who I love, though, and uh, teamed up with him, planted a church. So that's a little bit about who I am, father, husband, church planter, uh, wannabe NBA baller, and a huge Husker fan. There it is. 
<laughs> He's close, too. His skills, he continues to work on that driveway basketball game. Uh, <laughs> Gavin Johnson here in Omaha. Chris is my best buddy in the world. And uh, we have vastly different stories, uh, which makes our combined story pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, teamed up in, in 2013 to plant City Light Omaha. Been an absolute blast. So, beautiful wife, Sarah. Three little kiddos. Uh, grew up in Waverly, Nebraska. I grew up kind of a quintessential good kid, rule follower, uh, moderately religious guy at a Lutheran church. So, it was highly, you know, a lot about moralism, not about the grace of Jesus Christ, but actually got saved out of that uh, when I was 16 years old, read the book of Romans, didn't understand 60% of it, but the little bit I could understand, uh, helped me see that Jesus is real. The cross is needed and uh, I needed a personal savior. So met Jesus then still weird to me that I'm a pastor, but God called me into that providentially. And here I am. So that's a little bit of our story. Chris was the rebel. I'll fill in a little bit of gaps. He was the one stealing car stereos. I was the little Pharisee. And ironically, we both got saved about the same time. And I think that's been one of the things that has been our partner, made our partnership so cool, is that we can really help communicate what the gospel means, both to the religious and the irreligious, the rule breaker and the real follower. It's been a cool friendship. Gavin, I was at the SALT conference and we were standing on the bleachers watching all the students come in. And I was asking Chris more about his story. And dude, I just... It's crazy. Chris, that was so moving to me because mm. I grew up, you know, going to Burke High School out in West Omaha and you were at Omaha South. And I remember going to games down there and being like, oh, this, this isn't safe, you know? And right, right. Yeah, that was your world. Dude, can you just unpack that a little bit more? Give us a little more of a window into your childhood. Like, yeah. What was it like? Yeah. For... Yeah. Dude, yeah. And it's, it's just different. Like, Mark, I, li I look at your life. And like the father you had is the kind of father I'm trying to be in my first generation of my home. Like I, I want to be the dad. I, I want to be the dad who was the first link in the chain. So my story is I'm a product of one night stand. Dad leaves. Mom stays. She's got her own drama. I end up in a foster home at eight years old, bouncing around, trying to figure it out. And the story is, when you're a kid like that, no father in a home, unstable, guys, I was just looking for life anywhere, right? Like, uh, so gravitated towards male figures that were high school coaches and thought, you know, the coach could be the dad that I never had. The problem is, is those relationships are performance oriented. And so you're always trying to figure out your identity and you're going to girls trying to figure out, is this a place where I'll find affirmation in life? And I really just... Guys, I was just living for me. And, um, and here's the amazing thing about that. I think the Holy Spirit, when he's trying to call somebody to himself, before you meet Jesus, he reveals to you that the things that you're running after actually won't be the place that you find life, joy, and freedom. Mm -hmm. They become a slavery and an absolute toxin to your soul. And what God was doing in, throughout my high school year is almost giving me what I wanted and helping me to see it is like salt water. It is drying out your soul. Mm -hmm. And wow. Uh, wow. went to college and uh, went to college, found a group of guys that were in love with Jesus. I had never met a group of guys. Man, I, I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, hey, I, I thought to be a Christian meant I was going to just play board games and shoots and ladders and eat fruit <laughs> snacks in somebody's mom's basement. Like, I was like, hey, I, I don't want to be a part of that. 
You know, I mean, you're going to wear a weird fanny pack and some suck your jeans in awkward. I, I, that's not, that's not for me, you know? Um, but I met a group of Christians in college though, man. And you know what I'm talking about? The group of Christians, they were the real deal. Love Jesus, lots of joy, but holy. Treated women in an honorable way. Um, and when you said, hey, I'm going through something, you know, a lot of my non-Christian friends at the time, they didn't want to know that part of Chris. Uh, but the Christian friends were like, actually, tell me about that part. Tell me about that wound. Like, let's walk through some of that, that shame that you're dealing with. Wow. And then pointed me to, pointed me to Jesus and, um, shared the good news of the gospel and realized that God loved people like me, had a heart for people like me, could redeem and use people like me. And, um, I fell in love with that Jesus. And honestly, it's, you know, we all have our struggles, even as Christians, but it was a pretty radical um, kind of like start following, start following him. And so, uh, yeah, man, that, that's the story. It's, it's been a bumpy ride. Family members in jail, foster homes, homeless, sleeping in cars. And yet, you know, Mark, you get a look in now. And I just feel like I'm, I'm Ephesians 2.10, man. I'm a trophy of his grave. And I'm just showing off that God can do some things in people's lives, you know. Mm. Wow, Chris, I, you know, every Father's Day, I, I see a post that you make and just encouraging those guys out there, just sharing your heart, you know, for dudes growing up without dads and, and your own mm -hmm. struggles and how God's grace is meeting you that just your ministry of encouragement, just like, is so meaningful. Thanks for that. Um, I guess I want to, I want to play a little game. Um, last week, uh, Ray Orland was talking about one of the most important ministries in the church is the ministry of encouragement. Mm. And I was thinking about this. I, I, this isn't one of the questions I asked you guys, but I want to just do this. Uh, it's just a little lightning round of ministry encouragement of a, a ministry of Come encouragement on. to different people. And I'm just going to shoot out a person like, uh, a, you know, just a person in my head um and you you just shout out a word of encouragement to that person uh not a specific person but just a you know someone that might be out there um chris i want to start with you um and i want to ask give a word of encouragement to a 13 year old chris what do you want to say mm. what do you want to say to that kid man um, I want to tell that kid, uh, that kid is probably insecure, feeling abandoned, um, feeling like an orphan, uh, feeling angry because he's been left. Um, I want to tell that kid that God can adopt him into a forever family. I want to tell that kid that, um, with the power of Jesus Christ, how you start and how you finish can look very different. And I want to tell that kid that he doesn't have to be anything more than he is, but his today scars will be his tomorrow stories uh, that he'll be able to boast in and that this is not a wasted season, but that sometimes the Lord takes people to really broken places to lift them up as trophies of his grace. And so I would tell him, do not lose hope in a God that sees him and do not lose hope in a God that can redeem him. And do not lose hope that there's a God that is more satisfying than any sin he could ever dream of. Um, that's the kind of God I want uh, him to have a relationship with. 
Mm. Whoa. So, so Chris, I, man, I love that so much. And uh, my wife and I have been foster parents or were for many years. And I, here's what I would love for you to even expand on is there are 13 year old Chris's out there that won't be given the gift of, of communication. Like you've been given a, a role of like prominent leadership that you've been given, but but yet the same gospel truth is for them as well. You know what I'm saying? In other words, it's not necessarily the kind of rags to riches story. It's more that story of being adopted by Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Yes. So, I don't know. Just, yes. just to say a word to those that are like, oh, you mean if I take a drink of the Jesus cup, then I get to be just like Chris? Well, maybe. Right. Maybe, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the reason I, I say that, Jeff, is because maybe I, I talk about uh, – I, I, if I went too far on that kind of gospel no, you fan, didn't I'm like, go, okay, you you're going to turn it – That's not a corrective, uh, man. That's not a corrective. Right. But I, I, I battled with – the reason I lean into that so hard of the hope thing is I think I – we put lids on our own, our own lives that the Lord didn't put on us. Does that make any sense? Like I feel like I've limited and told God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I can lead a Bible study, but I'll surely never do this. And I felt I started realizing that that was not from the Lord. Like the Lord was going to pour out as much anointing and life and spirit and capacity as He wanted, and I had to allow Him to do that. Does that make sense? Um, wow. But for that kid, re regardless of so, just know that sometimes when you're talking to people who come from broken beginnings, they they put lids on where they think they can go, mm. and you have to almost speak affirmation to a point of like it almost sounds like you're a prosperity preacher you're not but you're like the father has plans for you and unfortunately because of our exposure like the most successful person i knew was a pe coach okay so i thought the the, the greatest thing i could ever aspire to in my life uh would be influencing 12 players which isn't a bad life but does that make any sense jeff is i that's felt like totally the lord has had to lift that lid yes but i i, I would say it's not about where he's going to, how big that is going to get. I would say the greatest thing that the Lord has done in my life, regardless of where I serve the Lord, if it's a big church, small church platform or whatever, is that kid needs to know the fractured woundedness he's carrying around can be healed by the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Amen. bitterness you're holding on to towards people that wounded you, like that, bro, that is chains on your soul. And you can't get rid of that by becoming a somebody. Wow. You can only get rid of that and shake that by allowing the gospel of Jesus Christ to forgive you from the shame on you and empower you now to forgive the people that have wounded you. Wow. And so um, all that identity you're searching for, listen, success can actually complicate that. Yeah, the dude. identity that you're looking for isn't going to be found in your next deal or your next promotion or your next hot girl that you're taking out that's actually it's when all that goes away and you find yourself alone with a god who still looks at you and delights in you zephaniah chapter three that he sings and delights over you as a child mm. now now that you see that on your father's face um that'll change you you know mm. 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 oh and jeff i, I was that. thinking about at faith academy this this school uh, here in uh, in Iowa City, they have a little mantra that they they say every day. They repeat this thing, and part of it is 
we can be doctors, we can be lawyers, we can, like, they need to affirm that, like, their potential. Yes. You know what I mean? That, what you talked about, that ceiling, they need to see, uh, you know, just like those of us that, yeah, you, you know, our, a lot of my confidence comes from just the security of a mom and a dad, you know? And, yeah. And you need that affirmation. Man, Chris, that was, dude, Thanks, dude, dude. Here's what I love about wow. that, too, Chris, is number one, you, you should come out and let us take you to Faith Academy and just stand in the cafeteria as they all stand up and just shout this stuff out all together. I mean, you'll, you'll be a mess. I was a mess. You'll be a mess. But, come on. But what I love is how you, you speak of those wounds as treasures that, that Christ has uh, redeemed. And I love that, that you're not only you're not ashamed of of where you were when god got a hold of you but but you proclaim those things as evidences of of insurmountable grace and that that's what i love you know i love that you yeah you you've taken those as marks of of mercy and grace and kindness from christ yeah well done man i love it let me let me move on let me move on to gavin with this uh we're still in this uh Lightning round, not so lightning round of <laughs> it's a long lightning round, bro. Yeah, that was a long lightning round. We'll, we'll see how this one goes. But uh, hey, Chris, hey, Chris, you get talking, man, and we just we just step back and enjoy the ride. All right, Gavin, uh, this is the person who's struggling with anxiety right now. This mm. is the person. I mean, they're talking about uh, the. PTSD from this is going to be through the roof. They're talking about people isolated at home, stuck in their own thoughts. They're on the news feeds. They're watching, and uh, and they're they're anxious. It might be an anxious mom. It might be an anxious mom. Uh, might be an anxious, uh, yeah, person who just lost their job. We had a, a gal, you know, in her in her twenties, sharing hair hairstylist uh lost her job the, the anxiety yeah. speak to just the my men's group this morning like four out of the the five dudes on the screen had either lost their jobs or just their their businesses are being rocked right now yeah. speak to the the person who's just struggling with anxiety yeah one, I think it's okay to acknowledge man stuff is hard so you don't need to pretend that everything is okay uh, what's not okay is when that voice of anxiety becomes the predominant voice and actually becomes the Lord over your emotions, the Lord over your outlook on life. Uh, anxiety is a horrible Lord, um, but fears are real. So one, you just got to give yourself grace, acknowledge. It's okay. You should feel worried. You're a dad. You don't know where your paycheck's coming from. It's okay to acknowledge that, right? But Thessalonians, it's okay to grieve, but we don't grieve like those who have no hope. So I assume I'm talking to a Christian who's struggling with anxiety because that's a vastly different um, paradigm, right? So um, I, all the scriptures you want to quote are feel cliche when you say them, but they're cliche because they're true, right? These light and momentary troubles, uh, are, they're not worth comparing to the eternal weight of glory. So we grieve with hope. You grieve your job loss. You grieve the loss of security, stability, comfort, community but we don't grieve without hope. This light and momentary trouble in 28 billion years when we are in the presence of the Lord, mm. it's a blip on the screen. 
And so Sermon on the Mount, man, I look outside, there's literally birds out there that are not freaking out about where their next meal is going to come from. Mm. That's not cliche. That's reality. God has you. I, and in our context, your family's not going to starve. I, I promise you, there's so many safety nets. And so I think it's just perspective, right? It's okay to grieve. It's okay to say, hey, this is really hard. Get those things out, but don't dwell on them. Don't let it become the Lord. Jesus got you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on eternity. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Thanks, Gavin. Yeah, man. Good word. Um, Really good. Man, thanks, guys. I, Jeff, I want to, everyone wants to be encouraged by you. Uh, (laughs) Speak to the, like, your, I guess it would be like your peer and up, like, probably you know you're in your upper 50s so so that and older like somebody who's maybe watching their 401k just tank mm-hmm. and they're watching everything you know the and more at risk you know uh maybe not you personally but but you know maybe the the 70 and older crowd for sure and those with uh that are just can you just speak encouragement yeah, I mean, my my encouragement maybe starts with kind of the cold slap of reality, and that is that we're finally living possibly more the way that Christ would have us to live, and that's with a, a heightened sense of dependence, a heightened awareness that uh, paychecks and Social Security and 401ks, whatever, are not promised to us, that our security is in Christ. And I think, man, don't, don't waste this insecurity, <laughs> finally mm-hmm. let, let yourself feel the tremor. Like when I, when we lived in Southern California and, and we'd get those earthquakes, you know, there's nothing more terrifying than an earthquake because, you know, like in the Midwest, if there's a tornado, you run into your basement or you find shelter somewhere. When you're in an earthquake, the ground itself is your enemy. The ground itself is what, and what I'm saying is right now for some people, they feel like everything under them is, is in a tremor. And I'm saying, this might be your renaissance of faith. This might be the moment that you actually tap into faith that's really faith and not just, I guess, an evangelical subculture that we just kind of tap Jesus onto the top of a pile of security and other things. Let let that stuff evaporate and and all of a sudden open your Bible. For me, guys, I'm telling you, I don't have to talk to some theoretical person out there. For me, at least... Things like the Lord's Prayer and Psalm 23 have become a bedrock of my faith in these last days. Going back through and re-praying some of those first truths have tapped me into a first love for Jesus. Because I'm more like you, Chris, the rotten pot-smoking kid that comes to faith in college. Some of those first truths when I was a freshman in college and were are like huge to me all over again. And so I'm saying, man, don't, don't waste this moment. If you've got gray hair like me, open that Bible, find a different translation, do something to awaken first love in a way that maybe you've not been able to. And uh, man, find, find security that may be your first taste of true security. What's, Jeff, what's, your, what's your word of exhortation to us as young pastors? I mean, Chris and Gavin, one, it's a privilege to partner with Jeff. I feel like we're getting the best version of Jeff, just all the years of experience and now, you know, wisdom of age, but also the energy of youth and just like exhort us, like how to pastor through this pandemic. Yeah. I, 
the, the biggest thing Mark, Mark and I were talking yesterday and this metaphor came, came to my mind of this nursery school rhyme, you know, Humpty Dumpty, you know, falling off the wall. And here's what I feel like. I feel like right now the evangelical church, some within the evangelical church and some young leaders had this beautiful Humpty Dumpty, the way we did things. And man, wasn't it remarkable and that Humpty Dumpty just came crashing down and just shattered all over the ground. We can't do church the way that we were doing it. We can't keep this form of what we thought. And But but a lot of people are like desperate, like, quick, glue that thing back together. You know, all the king's work, yeah. all the king's men, come in here. Let's put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And the reality is you can't, you know. I mean, it's going to look weird. Its eyes are going to be all distorted. <laughs> all over, you know, like, stop. Stop doing that because it might be, guys, it might be that Jesus is finally saying in a Revelation 2 or 3 kind of manner, like knocking on the door saying, hey, I'd love to come back in to you guys. Um, I haven't been there for a while. I don't know if you noticed. I'm outside the door. I'd love to come out back in and sup with you and fellowship with you. Um, but maybe the thing that Jesus has been wanting to do is tear some of our Humpty Dumpties down not so that we can frantically put them back together, but so that we could rethink, man, I wonder if all that I was busy doing is exactly what I should be doing. I uh, wonder if the way I've been leading is the way I should have been leading rather than trying to reconstruct everything the way that it used to be when I felt like I was firing on all cylinders. Is this the Lord of the church, the true chief shepherd, the high king, the lead pastor of our churches? Is he actually knocking on the door saying, I think you guys should maybe spend more time on your knees and asking, man, what is the spirit saying to the churches? What is Jesus saying to his church now? Rather than clamoring to just reconstruct what we thought we ought, ought to be doing. I, man, this morning I was in and uh, you guys, we're, we got you as guests. They can hear me anytime, but I was praying through Psalm 42 this morning. And I'm, man, I am praying, you know, the way that David prays in that, in that Psalm as the deer pants for those water sources, you know, so my soul longs to be, I want to go, I want to lead the assembly. I want to lead the throng of worshipers back. But for whatever reason, David's kind of kept out of, out of worship experience at that point in his life. And I'm saying, man, I want that Psalm 42 experience for people. I want them to long to come back. I long for us to regather again for Dalton to stand up in front of Veritas and lead us. And that's going to be awesome, right? But I hope we're going to be changed when we all get back together. I hope that the church is remarkably different and for the better when we're able to experience that Psalm 42 regathering together. And I want to have ears to hear what we're supposed to be learning. I don't want to waste this moment. I want to hear what, what Jesus is trying to do as church. So that, that would be my, my encouragement, young, young pastors, is um, li listen to the spirit, let, let Jesus rule his church and, and see what he's got for us. Yeah. Bro. You know, I want to, I want to get to the city light story, but we're actually going to, we'll let's, let's kick that can to the back end of the, of the conversation and just strike while the iron's hot here on this question about the pandemic. And, you know, Jeff just said, you know, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Like, I think it was only Jesus that said that statement and that, is ringing in my head. Jeff mm -hmm. talked about that one of our first weeks in quarantine, Revelation 3. Lewis talks about, C.S. Lewis talks about how in our suffering, God, it's like he's holding a megaphone. Mm -hmm. What is he speaking to you, mm -hmm. Gavin and Chris? 
I mean, and, and I want answer the question in three kind of three parts. It's like you personally, you as in you city light, and then you as in the church, you know what I mean? What, what's, what do you think God's speaking in those kind of spheres of starting with uh, yourself? Go G. Well, first off, I just, if Jeff could just keep talking, that would be worth the price of admission. Um, so I just feel, I just want to acknowledge, I feel like that was a prophetic word and man, thank you just for saying that put words to thoughts. I think Chris and I have been feeling and sensing with our team and, and all of that. So I don't know. I, I think, you know, even on a personal level, um, cause you asked us to start there, like, how is God speaking to you? I, I'm going to speak in regards to like pastoring and, and leading as well as my own walk with God. But one of the things we've done is we've got a, a good sized staff team and 80% of what we used to do, we can't do anymore. Right. The Humpty Dumpty's wall came down. Well, on an organizational level, we got to keep them employed best we can. So we're just reshuffling the deck what what are some ways that we can run at this flock and steward this mission and it's created some pretty cool innovation that is actually a move towards simplicity not complexity so very simply we divided up our member list and our regular attender list and we're just calling everyone making sure they get a call at least once every other week to check in and i will say that i have felt more like a pastor in the last three weeks than maybe i have in a long while because it's first Peter shepherd the flock. Like as I pick up the phone and just say, Hey, how are you guys doing? How has this affected you? And how can I pray for you? Those three questions have opened up a door mm. into people's real lives um, that I just haven't had unless people are in a crisis and they come in for counseling or I do a, a member interview. So one couple I call and uh, um, they've got an adult son uh, who is struggling with some mental illness and get to pray with them, all of that. The very next day I get a call back, hey, he's suicidal, what do we do? Um, I mean, just down in the weeds, shepherding, just, I don't know, there's no playbook for this. Let's pray, let's discern wisdom. And really entering into people's stories in the season has been beautiful. So in so many ways, it's, it's really shrunk our church. I don't know, Chris, if you would agree, but it feels like we're probably more connected um, there's less programs and we were program lean anyway, but now there's really nothing. It's just people and relationships. And part of that has been refreshing. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I want that to change. I don't know if I want to go back to quote unquote normal. What yes. if we just care for each other and love people? We still need to preach the word, have an evangelistic ministry, but this feels like church in its sweetest form. Mm. Um, yeah. The, the outreach ministry has changed too. I think our buildings right now are giant food pantries. It's incredible, you guys. Um, it's been amazing to see people respond with generosity. I think people that are relatively unaffected um, have a sense of stewardship behind that. They know it's not just for their comfort. Um, they're blessed to be a blessing and they know that. And so it's been amazing people backing up. I don't know where they get this stuff. They got like pallets of peanut butter. I think they're robbing Costco. I don't know like 200 tubs of peanut butter. It's incredible. But to see people's resourcefulness and generosity, people coming to pack and deliver um, at our Midtown location, it's a little more under-resourced of a neighborhood. We put flyers out door to door and just said, hey, there's a church here that loves you. We care about your practical needs. If you need anything, let us know. we got a food pantry. And the, requ the requests have poured in. And I think that 
we, we might be having our, our brightest moment of neighborhood impact that we've had in seven years since we've been a church mm. through a pandemic. So you're just seeing those opportunities. Like in a sense, the church is being refined. We are more prayerful. We're more purposeful. And I think maybe a little bit closer to the, what we're supposed to be. I think the church thrives best when we're in the margins, scrambling, prayerful, independent, than we're in, when, when we're in cruise control and, and comfortable. So wow, man. It. Chris, what would you add, man? Well, yeah, you kind of spoke from the church, and I thought that's it. I think we've seen the church. We're just so encouraged by the church. Like, I just want you to know how optimistic I am about the church. Like, we are not discouraged yeah. in any way. I think Gavin and I are like, we're seeing mercy ministry. It looks like the book of Acts. So I've been reading through Acts, and it just says, uh, you know, there was no needy person among them. As for as many who are owners of lands and horses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it distributed to each as any had need. And I love that. That's what the gospel does. It reorients it from me, 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 me to listen, I'm a steward of God's grace and it's about the whole family. And even those who don't have in our community, we're going to show them mercy and undeserved grace. And, yep. and so... I love that we're seeing the spirit of Jesus that was active in the early church happening in our church. Like uh, city groups, Gavin and I have been on city group calls. We're popping into these communities and people, listen, the method looks different, but the mission of connecting and being disciples that live in community is happening right now. Love that. So I'll say one more thing, Mark, just for me personally, one thing I got, I felt like as an evangelist, like strike while the iron's hot. Like, you might've seen little things I'm doing, just like sharing my personal testimony on Facebook, challenging our whole church to do the Jesus changed my life and just take a video and, and throw it up. Um, I'm interviewing people that I know just like this, just as a means to share the gospel, because I believe there's a, an awakening, a spiritual hunger, uh, an understanding that idols are not honestly that secure. Like you said, Jeff, you're kind of standing on if your 401k and your job and your sales bonus fourth quarter was going to be your little thing that you're, that was really the foundation and you sprinkled a little Jesus on it. Guess what? All this got exposed. And, and so, man, listen, I love it. I love it. I don't think God's going to waste it. And I think God knows what he's doing in the hearts and the minds of his people. So get this real quick. I'm going to drop this word out of Acts. Peter and John get arrested. Uh, the angel of the Lord comes to them in verse 20, chapter five says, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people. They just got arrested. So you would think now's not the time to go and speak about Jesus. All right. We're in the middle of something. We should be quiet and nervous and fearful, and we should just be chilling and try to figure out how to do better online stuff. No, <laughs> he says, go stand in the temple and speak to the people. All the words of, I love the NIV, this new life. ESV says of this life. And I just felt like, listen, that's what they did. They just went and made noise for Jesus. And this is right on the back end of the church talking about how they're distributing all of the mercy needs. Everybody's getting fed. So, man, I'll just tell you, Mark, I just feel emboldened to be bold in my proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to bring hope to sinners, uh, forgiveness to sinners, and sustaining grace to the saints. And I just will continue. I just feel emboldened to go to the temple. And right now that, that looks digitally. Um, how do we just continue to do things like this to get the message of Christ? Cause I'm telling you, man, 
more neighbors, more people are texting Gavin and I saying, hey, I streamed your service for the first time. Oh my goodness, our family's watching. Our, you know, we're just getting crazy open doors right now that I feel like I've been praying for for two years. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing open doors, open hearts, a sensitivity. I'm seeing husbands finally realize they can't just ignore their wives and stay busy. But now they got to actually figure this person they're living with out and figure out how to make this thing go. Their kids can't just be rushed off to practice, but like they got to figure out how to disciple them. So, um, man, I, I kind of feel like God's not going to waste the moment. You know what I mean? Like I'm optimistic that he's making us holy. That's yeah. what I'm feeling for the whole church. And for me personally, I'm like, dude, just don't stop. Like just, just keep meeting people with the word of God, you know? Man, I feel like on the spiritual gift assessment, if there was a box that said, make noise for Jesus, <laughs> that would be your spiritual gift, Chris. I'm winning at that box, baby. <laughs> Gavin. What, what seven years of this, Mark. Seven years. Bro, it's in the Bible, man. Like, go. Go to the temple and say some words, homie. All right? I got you. Done. <laughs> Hey, I will say, oh, every time I visit City Light when I'm back home, one of the most enjoyable parts of the service is Chris's announcements, <laughs> the service host thing. Like the way your services end, you know, you, Gavin, you, you've got the gift too, man. Both of you guys, just listening to you guys talk. Uh, love it, man. I love it. Um, what I love is that I feel like both of you guys, because I, I mean, when I came out to Omaha and met you guys for the first time, I mean, it was, you guys were early on. And I feel like you're the same human beings. You're the same brothers. You have the same language, the same camaraderie and, and just uh, passion for what you're doing. That it wouldn't matter, actually, how big or small the audience became or whatever. You just, you just love Jesus and you love who's ever in your path. And that has just remained consistent. I one. Do you, you mind if I ask a question, Mark? <laughs> Let me take over your agenda. I want to know, you two have a really beautiful just uh, friendship, a brotherhood together. So in these last years, and maybe even times like this that we're in, like this pandemic, or whatever time it's been, is it time to relocate a, a new congregation? Whatever. Has that ever been tested? Has, has your friendship ever been tested? And walk us through, what did Jesus teach you in that moment and what does that what does that look like for you guys yeah go g yeah short answer is yes i mean you can't go if you go core team until now we're talking eight years of so for people tuning in that don't know we we share that title of lead pastor we just say well there's two of us and so we're going to lead in unity and unison and in community and um, we do have lay elders around us. You know, if there's ever a vote, we can get outvoted. But the lead pastor, we share it. So anyway, so we're not always going to agree on everything. I would say it's a freakishly high percentage, like 98%, because we just, on a convictional level, theologically, philosophy of ministry, culture, gospel centrality, some of the things we're going to go to the mat for are the exact same things. But you get into the weeds and you're going to have disagreements. Mm -hmm. And I think 
Chris always talks about it so well. Um, your pride will get chipped away really quick in a relationship like this. And if you're going to hold tight to your pride and to your opinions and to your ego, uh, this relationship cannot last. It, it won't go a month um, if any of us get a little bit too big for our britches and proud. So it's been, it's been one of the thrills of my life to run with this dude. And it's been a crucible of my sanctification. Mm-hmm. When you're the solo yep. lead pastor, you can just say, listen, that is what it is. So it is what it is. So that's where we're going. And if it's not morally inappropriate, then there really shouldn't be any questions. Uh, Chris and I don't have that trump card. We can't play it with each other. We have to wrestle it out. We have to pray through it. And so there's times where I've sinned against him, times where he's sinned against me. And it's the crucible of sanctification because we can't sweep it under the rug. We have to deal with it. The same way with my wife at home, we need to have hard conversations. We need to sit down and own stuff. We need to extend, receive forgiveness. Chris and I are doing that at least monthly. Um, and so it's been, it's been humbling. It's been challenging. It's been beautiful. There's no hiding when you're leading together. And, uh, and so it's been. The thing that we took our, our staff out there the last couple of years to hang out with you guys and. Uh, we do our little take the hill thing with the guys on our staff team. And um, I think one of the biggest things that all of our staff walked away from was just your humility. I mean, just, we, we get that. Like as, as much noise as Chris is making, (laughs) Chris, I, you're a humble man. And I, and Gavin, you, your humility to say, Hey man, people are going after the next biggest and baddest cities and urban centers. And man, what about rural Nebraska? Like who's got their eye on that? And your humility, like in so many different ways, I see that modeled the way that you guys have let go of your kingdom in Omaha, your kingdom, like letting, you know, city like Benson and the other churches, like, you planted a church like a couple miles away from home base, you know? Yeah. Like what? A couple of them. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I mean, that, that takes some serious uh, just open-handedness and humility. What is that your secret sauce, Chris? I mean, what, you, you know, speak to that, man. Just the, I, I just, yeah, it's gotta be, I, I mean, I just, when you were going through the questions and I think this was kind of up there, I think Gavin hit it. Like, if you don't have a humility before Jesus and before others, like, it just, you cannot run with a tribe. Does it make any sense? It's almost like, like, you can be Russell Westbrook or James Harden and be the, the solo baller, but Steph Curry created a different culture where he's like, listen, I want Kevin Durant. I want to keep Draymond Green. I want Clay Thompson, and we're going to win, but we're going to do it together in community. And I felt like, uh, I think the thing that's been helpful, I just want to backtrack real quick on with Gavin. Um, Gavin is this crazy high character guy off stage that I respect. So that's got to be there. But Gavin is also just a gifted communicator, preacher, teacher, leader. Uh, I respect the way he leads his family at home. Um, he's a missionary to his neighborhood. I don't know too many preachers that are as gifted as Gavin who are also baptizing you know, six, seven, eight of his neighbors every summer. I mean, just crazy. Uh, so what I'm saying is, to me, it's a, it's a tremendous honor and joy 
to have a guy like that. And you got to remember how this started. Gavin was the lead pastor. And, you know, six months in, he looked at kind of me and said, Chris, I think you're, you're pulling weight. I feel like you're an equal owner. I want to, I want to share this title with you. And then I've seen Gavin consistently give away leadership. So, Hey, young preacher, I'm going to give you the stage. Hey, you know, listen, we're going to young church planner. You can go anywhere you want and you can take any staff you want. Like just Jesus, Jesus, whatever's best for your church, Jesus, whatever's best for your kingdom, Jesus, whatever's best for this city. Like Jesus's agenda has to win. And I really feel like Gavin's led that, lived that out. Um, and he oftentimes says like, listen, it's not about Gavin Johnson and what I want for City Light Church. It's about what Jesus wants. And so uh, I'll submit to the elders and I'll roll with it. So I just, I think that that humility comes when you have a really big king named Jesus Christ and he's a lot bigger and better than you are. You just, there's no other way to find humility mm. other than to realize you are just a speck compared to a really amazing eternal king. And uh, you're a jar of clay. So don't, don't get too big on that. And he could choose to use somebody else, but by his grace, he's chosen to use you. So stay in that humble posture because that's a blessable posture. And I'm just greedy enough for the kingdom of God to keep staying low. But there's also appreciation. Like when you, Mark, you get it. Like when you find brothers like Jeff, you have to make a choice. Would you rather be the man and lead alone? Or would you rather get the privilege of sharing in gospel ministry with somebody who you're going to sin against, but it's a genuine relationship where you're bearing with one another. You're, you're forgiving one another. You're, you're confessing sin to one another. And honestly, I'm genuinely praying John 3.30 for my brother that he would become greater. And I want to see God's anointing and blessing fall on him too. So does it make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. Man, thanks for that. I, I love it. I, I think that's one of the, like the culture of city light just flows out of your relationship with each other. I mean, you guys out front before the service doesn't matter if you're preaching or whatever you're out high-fiving people as they come in and and it's just such a culture of joy and i think that flows out of of your relationship together um i'm curious um so last week ray ortland was talking about one of their mantras that they say over over and over again it, i'm a complete idiot my future is incredibly bright and anyone can get in on this you know, it's like, that's their, that's their mantra. Oh, yeah. My, my yeah, question yeah. is, I know. Yeah, get that down, man. Stuff, yes. You'll have to go back and listen to the round table. And by the way, Ray's description of heaven toward the end of the conversation is worth watching or listening to. But um, wow. what is a city, if there was a city light mantra, what is it? Or what are the things that often get repeated from the stage over there at city light? What do people hear you guys say all the time? Let's just fire away, Chris. We'll, we'll just go every other. We won't even give comments. We could do this go. absolutely. All right. So we exist to multiply disciples and churches. Anyone can say that. Chris, what else? Uh, I would say we have one mission. Yeah, no, no. I'd say we, uh, we take Jesus very seriously, but our, ourselves not that seriously at all. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, another one. We have joy. It's okay to be happy. Preach. <laughs> Sometimes you yeah, need to that, give people permission. You can be really cool. smart and even reformed and like dark beer and skinny jeans. You can still smile. Jesus is alive. <laughs> okay. 
I'd say uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of angry Calvinists out there, isn't there? Yeah, we are reformed big Jesus guys, so we got a lot of people in our tribe that are just generally pissed off, and we're like, "Hey, God predestined you to be joyful, brother." So, uh, all right, Chris, what do you got? Uh, I would say we're a community of imperfect people looking to a perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm. Wow. That's really good. Our core values, we say them all the time. Uh, the gospel, spiritual formation, community, and mission. Everyone can say those in their sleep and what they mean. Yeah, I would say uh, we are not uh, a place with programs, uh, but we're a people with a purpose. Yeah. Mark, we got to come up more. with some mantras. I'm, the whole time, the whole time they're ripping on these, I'm going, "Oh Lord, please don't have them." have that question thrown back at us because <laughs> I don't know that we can go back and forth with just these. <laughs> That's yeah, good. We, I like that. I like that. No, we're just taking notes because we'll be saying those next week. Uh, you, you'll see us online. <laughs> we've always said, we've always said. <laughs> about joy and like, you should have it. You should have it. <laughs> <laughs> a real good look at a bowl by sticking your head up. Oh my gosh. Uh, uh, I would say to our staff, I would say be normal and get something done. Yeah, that's been. Okay, be normal and get something done. Unpack that. Are people, what, what do you mean by like, that? Like, dude, like, Mark, have you ever walked into a meeting and everybody's hyper spiritualized and stuff? Like, it's just like when we get around other Christians, we got to like, oh, and the three members of the Trinity and how they coexist. And they always sit man, I'm like, just say normal words, man. Like, just be a normal human being. Don't wear a jean jacket inside. You don't, it's not even, it's not even cold, man. Like, and if you're not funny, and if you're not funny, don't try to be funny. Like, just be normal. Like, if you're smart, be smart. If you're simple, be simple. Like, if you got great facial hair, be good with that. But don't try if you can't. Like, just, just, just be normal. Be normal. Yes. All right? <laughs> and, then, and then get something done, homie. Like, stop thinking about it and do something. Stop. Yes. People, they just so worried about failure. We can't mess up for King Jesus. We're just gonna we're gonna look bad. We're gonna destroy the church. I'm like, yeah, be thoughtful, but like, excellence is not like if there is a value there, but not perfectionism. Like, go and try. And Jesus left his disciples after two years, and guess what? They made some mistakes, and the kingdom of God has continued to advance. So go and do something. You know, that's lot, so good. Dude. A lot of my a lot of the mantras from my life and I would say for Veritas come out of that sermon I preached on my dad's life. Yes. Where it's like, I guess my biggest thing would be, um, we, we are on the cutting edge of mediocrity. <laughs> We're on the cutting edge of mediocrity. Yeah. And Veritas, man, if you saw our first week of online services, man, it's a train wreck, you know? And it's like, we're not trying to, I told our staff, like, Whatever God is doing through this global pandemic, I hope the application for us as a staff is not, dude, let's get super good at YouTube. Mm -hmm. let's, dude, let's become YouTube celebrities. I mean, 
Peter says, or I mean, uh, Paul in Acts 20, you, you mentioned it earlier, shepherd the flock that is among you, not the global, like we're not trying to be pastors to the globe. Like right. it, we're trying to talk to our people yeah. and, and we're not like the production. So I just, you know, we've talked about, let's, let's like do a good enough job, but let's not try to be making amazing videos because people click play and it's done. And it was yeah. like, dude, it has freed, it has freed our staff up so much to do the kinds of things that you're talking about getting on their phones. One of our elders just started this, this daily habit. He just starts going through his contacts and just randomly starts calling people that he thinks might. And that, that kind of more grassroots kind of thing has really been the fuel behind our time here. Not so much when Mark said that you guys were going to decide right now, not to ever get good at this. It was just like the whole pressure went off and we're like, no, we're going to get good enough to where we're still teaching the Bible to our people, still right. gathering them together as best we can. And that's the bar right there. <laughs> we're not going to become, you know what I mean? In fact, I think one of our decisions was we're purposefully going to model like not a great job. I mean, we're, we're trying to do a great job, but you know what I mean? Like in terms of broadcasting from home or something like that, where it's like, people are at home like if we're gonna have to learn how to do church without smoke machines then yeah just well i think your dad i I mean you you repeat i don't know it came from somewhere but the whole master the restart thing too mark i think that has become a real mantra uh, not just at veritas around but that has been for me i mean hey even with my wife you know being at home now we don't have all the little kids like you guys have so there have been times where all of a sudden, you know, I was gone a lot and she runs her business out of the home. Now all of a sudden I'm like there and I'm, and I'm a legalistic dude. So I'm always like imposing my law. <laughs> you know? So imagine that not going over well. So, yeah. so just, so just a couple nights ago, I was like, you know what, Tree, let's pray together. And tomorrow morning we're going to wake up and we're going to master the restart. We That's can do so that good. because of Jesus. You know what I mean? Like we, we're going to hit it. We're going to call it what it is. Both confess how we got to this point and then we're gonna say man bless god we get to master the restart we don't have to drag today into tomorrow let's you know what i mean and i love those just kind of quick little fixed uh sayings in my head that anchor me back into the first truths of the gospel i'm gleaning so much wisdom from this can i tell you one mantra that backfired on us yeah yes knows what i'm gonna say we uh we had a little mantra we said we send our best so we planted whatever nine churches something like that and we always send like the most gifted pastor the one with the teaching gift and and we wanted to reinforce with people hey like church planting isn't how you get rid of the youth pastor that's kind of driving you nuts and he has a little ambition to plant so you're like yeah i think that's a great idea you should do that you know and i think that's been the or like yeah it's a church plant split you know they got you know (laughs) So those those people uh they're not sending people out they're sending them away exactly yeah and so we wanted to we just know that's a culture in evangelical churches so we started talking about we want to send our best like the very person that we don't want to send is the one that we're going to send the person with the prominent teaching gift your best tither the best volunteer in your kids ministry you know your best administrator that you never want to lose that's who we're going to send to squash that the backside of that 
is that everyone who didn't get sent felt JV. So it was cool to affirm the goers and say, we're not getting rid of you, we're sending you. But then no one wanted to stay as like an associate pastor because they're like, oh, that's like the leftovers get stuck with Gavin and Chris and have to leave with them because we didn't hit varsity level to get sent out. So we realized you, we swung the pendulum too far. We want to champion the goers. We want to send gifted people that will do well, but we also want to affirm stayers and we want to mm, keep the best too. So mm. That's so good. I, I want to hear from you guys. We talk about being uh, gospel centered and preaching the gospel to ourselves every day. And that's part of our DNA, man. I want to get in. I want to get into your head. And I want to say, okay, what does the gospel sound like in your head? Like, when Gavin preaches the gospel to Gavin, mm. what does it sound like? What, what do you need to hear? You know what I mean? What yeah, that's really good. I think one, one for me is just knowing that I was saved by grace and I'll be sustained by grace. And so it's like you, you get into the Jesus camp by grace. Every Bible-believing Christian is going to affirm that. But our, our, the hard wiring of our heart is religious performance. And that doesn't get detoxed at conversion. That has taken me decades to start to rewire my operating system. And I still have to do it on the daily. And so it's constantly like, you wouldn't say it out loud, but you think God's a little bit disappointed in me today. You know, as though um, he, he brought me into this program by Jesus's righteousness, but now he's daily evaluating my righteousness on a relational level. Like, eh, I don't know if we're going to keep him on the team very much longer. So. <laughs> I think one is just reminding myself, hey, I, I got here by grace and I'm here again today by grace. And whether I batted a thousand or I got snappy with my wife, was judgmental towards my kids, disciplined out of anger, didn't reply to one email for a month. And I just feel like a piece of crud to know I might feel that way about myself, but God doesn't. He still sees me through the lens of Jesus Christ. And that is good news. I have the full pleasure. God doesn't just tolerate me because of Jesus. He delights in me. Mm, that's, so good. that's where it has to hit my heart on the daily Amen. so good chris what about you man yeah i i uh i go through a rolodex like uh just different verses so like i go down to like there's no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus i just i do condemn myself and it's funny for like exactly that gavin it's like i should have sent that email i should have called that guy Oh, I'm sitting in condemnation because I yep. didn't text him back. Yeah. But I knew if I text him back, then my wife's going to be frustrated because I'm on my phone and I feel like I'm going to lose, lose. And I had to choose somebody, but now I chose the right one to be with my wife. But now I'm sitting in condemnation and I tried to choose the right one. So I have to remember there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All of the like in this season, it's so hard because I hate going slow. I hate it. Mm. Second gear feels like purgatory and i can't wait to get out of purgatory it's like i want to break loose and run always and so like i have to remember some of that is gospel ambition uh because i know the days are evil but some of it is just a desire to produce for jesus and feel like i need it to get the job done and i have to remember that jesus said i will build the church in the gates of hell and i have to remember he says it is finished jesus is not waiting for me to add to my righteousness or resume it's done he did all the heavy work at the atonement and the church is his, and we know he comes back and wins. So there's no, and I think the one, like you said, Zephaniah chapter three, I go back because I, I sometimes make it mechanical. Like my sins are gone. 
I'm adopted in, it's legally binding, I've got the righteousness. But again, is there a feeling of affection or is this just like a cold exchange where I give him my sin and I get his righteousness? The Zephaniah chapter three verse where he says, the father sings over you and delights over you and dances over you. Like I have to remind myself that that's my heavenly father. Like he, because I'm in Christ, I'm not, like you said, kind of like the redheaded stepchild that kind of just got in uh, because there's a clause in there that he had to, like the father loves me and uh, I don't have to do anything and to earn that today. And I can't do anything to lose that today. Mm. His posture towards me is, is rooted in Christ and mm. what he accomplished for me. So, wow. so uh, boom. Man, we need you guys. That that is so good. Uh, mm. My question to you now is like, what in this pandemic? It's our it's our hope. We just celebrated Easter, the hope of the resurrection. And man, I wonder if we if we if we're not spending enough time thinking about heaven and and dreaming about our life with God and and the the glory that far outweighs them all. You know, Gavin, you were talking about that in 28 billion years, man, what is this pandemic going to be for our light and momentary troubles? It's if you put it on a scale like this momentary trouble and the weight of glory, I mean, it just tips the scales. Like what is this hope of heaven that we're dreaming about? You know what I mean? Just what are you looking forward to? What gets you excited about your hope in heaven? Uh, mm. That's good. You want to go, Chris? I mean, yeah, I can go. I, I think for me, uh, I'll be real honest. I can't wait to be with Jesus without all of my insecurities, all my old wounds. Some have been healed, but some are still in the process, man. And I carry them around and I can't wait for this body of death, all of my lust, all of my pride, all of that ego, all that sin, which by the way, sin isn't, doesn't just hurt other people. It keeps you from experiencing the unhindered joy of Jesus Christ. And so, um, you know, every time I repent of a sin, I feel like I get to experience more of Jesus, but, but it's just going to be gone. Like I can't wait to be free from some of those lies, temptations, things I've just been carrying around. So it's the, the, the idea of being free from that stuff and then just being in the affectionate uh, presence of God where there's no confusion about his posture and his love for me. No confusion about his power. No confusion about his truthfulness. There's no more skepticism in my heart of, is God really this? Um, it's all gone. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think I also want to just, just shout out to like, if anybody's got this situation, I don't know if this is for you, but I've got family members with mental illness and I've seen it absolutely destroy their lives. Um, they've done counseling, they've taken medications, they've tried to get around healthy community, but guys, there's stuff that like just gets triggered because sin has affected the brain and, and then they're just not going to be completely right unless there's a miracle on this side. And I think some of my longings for heaven are for those who carry around some things that aren't just going to be healed on this side, unless there's a miracle to be fully whole, mm. maybe for the first time in their life. They're going to be whole with Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, bodies are going to be healed. Minds are going to be restored. That, I just, 
That's a beautiful thought when I, you know, sometimes when you think of having you think about the Johnny Erickson Tata's or different ones who are either, you know, quadriplegics, paraplegics, or, you know, kind of leaping out of the wheelchair, whatever, those kind of moments. But what you're saying is so beautiful. Those that have actually been trapped by mental illness, those who have never experienced a day free, not just of that wheelchair, but the Confined. The thoughts that betray them. Yes. Dude, that's you know, a, that's going to. Chris, that, what you me. talked about how sin has affected the brain. I think, I think with mental illness, it's a tough one, man, because people, it's like, if I have cancer, it's like, I can see it. I know what it is. But when it's like a mental fog, I mean, you know, we know better than to say to somebody with Alzheimer's, hey, just memorize these Bible verses. Because we understand like whatever's happening you know, my grandma Marge, before she passed, you know, like the doctor was explaining it, like the blood vessels in her brain are constricting and she's doing this and saying this stuff. It's like, but that's what's happening to some people who look fine, but are struggling mentally. And that man, just that ache for uh, the freedom and the glory of heaven. We had some of our friends were struggling with a, a child with mental illness and he was freaking out and they were just literally holding him down. And and they just, they didn't know this was going on for so long. And so they, they just put on uh, the song Waymaker, Miracle Worker, mm. and they just put it on play. And all of a sudden the child calmed down and started mm. crying and said, I just want to be with Jesus. I feel like I'm being tormented. And as the song played, you know, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, the, the kid like came back to his senses. Wow. And it just shows the like a moment of heaven, yeah. like yes. busted into the house. And I yes. just, man, I just want to add the amen to that. That totally. that's beautiful. I'm with you, man. I can't wait. Yeah, that's so good, man. Let's go, that's Gavin. Good. What 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 about you, man? Scripture says, "No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart of man can fathom all that God has prepared." So. To even speculate, you know, it's glorious beyond our imagination. The, on the throne is Jesus. So I know in his presence is fullness of joy. And there will be no, no shortage of joy uh, in the presence of Jesus. But like Chris, I just, we feel the effects of sin everywhere, right? It's brokenness with God and it's with each other. And I think even that relational reconnectedness, uh, relationships are difficult because people are messy and you live long enough and you know enough people, you're going to have some weird relationships. And one of the things I think I long for the most is to experience true, you know, like naked in the garden community with people that I love where it's been complicated. You know, there is a barrier there. And so to look forward and go, just as much as the guilt of all my sin is going to be gone, all those relational complexities will be gone in eternity. Mm, We're going to yes, see yes. Forward, yes. Uh, just as God knows us, that's going to be the way that we see each other. Mm. And I think the beautiful reconciliation that's going to happen in heaven uh, is unfathomable. And then on a real, on a real shallow note, I may still be young. I, I'm, I'm honored you called us young pastors, Mark, but I am 37 and I threw a pear, a piece of fruit, you guys. I threw a pear in my backyard. I pulled muscles in my back, my shoulder, and my pec, all three sides, from throwing a piece of fruit. So I don't know if something is severely wrong or I have just gotten that soft in my old age. But oh, man. 
I feel like I'm aging prematurely, and I look forward to not being a fragile. You uh, wait, man. I got 20 years on you. You just wait. <laughs> Chris, how is age affecting your basketball game, man? You you came up to our rec center and were balling with us a few years ago. Remember that? Oh, yes. Man. You were throwing down on dudes, man. Uh, hey. Dude, that was still – hey, I, I need that. Thank you for remembering that moment and telling that narrative. Like, let's remember Doug, Doug gave you his like new balance shoes <laughs> and you're rocking those, those hipster new balance running up and down the court. Bro. And Hey, I took that moment for real though. Like I, I was not about to lose to nobody in whatever city I was in. I was like, listen, they need to know that Omaha came out tonight. Like they need to know <laughs> it just got serious. And I love Jesus, but I'm not about to get crossed up by some kid in Iowa. It's just not going to happen. And, 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 and Mark, and Mark, for real, though, like, I've been working out, you know, and, and working on my game. And I'm dreaming of the day that somebody pops off in the Salt Network and I get to play him one-on-one. I'm sizing, I'm sizing all of them up. I'm sizing. Like, I, I already know. Hey, some Chris. of them don't have lateral movement like they should. Some of them ain't got no touch around the rim. I can already see. This is a, this is a game in the making. This is, this is hey, going to come to fruition. I, Mark, if there's one guy hey. in the Salt Network who can challenge him, who is it? Hey, I, I balled with uh, Recab from Cottage Grove, and, and he's got some game. Okay, and, uh, okay. Yeah, and there may be some uh, – there, there's some players in the network. You know, you got to – I don't know, Chris – no, 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 no. Don't be trying to go get your little 22-year-old walk-on. I'm talking about all the pastors. I want all the smoke from all of them, all right? They've been, hey. they've been, they, they've been putting on that, that, corona, that corona 15. They're about to get night-nighted out there. <laughs> all right. Can we just go to the candy aisle of life for a second and talk about um, – We'll we'll uh, we'll end this on a light note, but I want to know people are stuck at home, man. We need we need entertainment options too, right? What do you got for us, man? What what do you guys give us some cotton candy to get us well, this thing? What do you got? I will say some more. Yeah, definitely junk food. Um, if if you have any theological um, hangups around the total depravity of man, just watch um, the Tiger King. And that will clear up all of your confusion about how sinful and twisted, wicked is the heart of man. Um, Chris, you've been watching time. I've watched all of that. Oh, bro. Dude, I couldn't shut it off, man. It was like a family reunion gone wrong. It's like, dude, I couldn't stop watching it. I was like, hey, honey, I, I know we got morning prayer tomorrow, but I, I, I got to see what happens with this. This lady who's taking in cats. I don't know what happened, but I got to find the story out. Bro, I got Tiger King on my, on my virtual backgrounds, bro. I'd be doing Tiger King on virtual backgrounds. You're lucky I, I took it off for this one. <laughs> we had the same reaction, except that our response was different. We got to that point, that little fork in the road, and I was like, I can't watch another moment of this. I know. Hey, a good show, though, for real, though, was Bless This Mess about a couple who moves to Nebraska, starts a farm. It's clean. It's family-oriented. It's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of funny. Me and my wife laugh. So there you go. There's uh, what's that on? Is that on? 
It's on Netflix. Bless this mess really? and uh, re- really funny dude. Uh, really funny dude. It, it, it's it's honestly clean. There's no profanity, weird, you know, That's images. Cool. It, right. It's it's pretty good. That's right. cool. Anything else you guys want to throw? Uh, what I say? Uh, we we've been having a lot of fun. I would also give a shout out to Multiplication Monday. All of our people, Gavin Johnson started that. It's a little uh, video podcast. So uh, we tell stories a lot like this. Multiplication Monday. He has a really horrible joke of the day. It's It's like the most corny, homeschool, just essential oil, like, throw something on it. Here's our graphic that we hold up. My daughter colored this. We're going Okay, you're on the cutting edge of mediocrity, Mark. Yes, yes. What now? Explain what this thing is. Is this something our people can find online? What, what, what is this? We got a little free publicity here. Bam! So it's literally on the City Light Omaha's Facebook channel. We don't even know what to do with it or where to put it, but uh, we either talk about church multiplication or multiplying disciples. So, Mark, I plan on having your dad on there just as a legendary disciple maker. Um, we had one of our very first church planners on there uh, two weeks ago. On Monday, Chris and I just interviewed our wives and said, what does it look like to make disciples in your home as a busy mom needed 24-7? And wow. I think we got like 4,000 views, moms looking in just saying, oh my gosh, you just took so much pressure off me. And we're just being honest about how messy our home life is and how challenging and just throwing out some nuggets of wisdom from our wives. Can, can so, you give us one quick nugget that came out of that? Wisdom for moms, moms, dads at home. What was the, you got a word? Chris's wife had a good one. She just said, the word that just tattoo into your brain, the word grace. You need mm. to show yourself grace because you're doing better than you think you are in the season. You need to show your kids grace because they don't come out of the womb fully discipled Christians. I thought that was really good. And then Chris, my wife, had a little nugget at the end because we just said, hey, one parting word. And what does she say? It was money. Something like, just don't miss this moment. Like, everyone mm. kind of holding on, like, just living for the finish line. And I, she was just like, we're going to look back and say, these are some of the most formative and memorable years, this time of pandemic. Everyone's at home. And so s- sort of seize the day, seize this moment. You're not going to be perfect, but uh, you're making an impression. So pay mm. attention to that. I thought it was wow. really Mm. yeah good word good word. If, I, if i had to sum it all up i would say the word was kind of lower your expectations for yourself <laughs> show yourself grace but yeah. double down as sarah said double down your intentionality of discipleship yeah. so now you're seeing sin you can actually parent to character you can create shared experiences you can press in the gospel you can champ you're seeing their strengths lived out you can champion them uh, so kind of lower expectations. It is what it is. It's a crazy season, but double down intentionality with discipleship. It was good. Awesome. We got, we got kind of the elephant in the room is, uh, Jeff's tiger hawk and the Husker hat. Uh, hey! Chris, you got any, you got anything to say about that? <laughs> it's been a real unfortunate run. And, um, you know, I'm, 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 we have, Mm. a couple of decades of it's been rough it's been oh wow okay let me just google let me google how many national championships y'all got over there (laughs) conference championships (laughs) you googling that you need to google that right now (laughs) hey siri (laughs) 
Uh, you guys are a blast, man. You guys we are so love you cool. guys. You guys are absolute legends. We are in the we are in the presence of greatness right here. Legendary guys, pace setters, trailblazers. We are on your heels, learning from you guys who went before us. So this is a treat for us, man. I'm walking away with a lot more uh, wisdom getting downloaded from you guys, and we've been able to share. Well, you guys know uh, I'm the son of Jack, and uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the apple tree. On the you know, we just our greatest gift is that we just keep showing up. <laughs> yep. I've learned that from your dad. Hey, you know, dad says 99% of ministry is just showing up, right? All of a sudden you get put into positions of leadership because they're like, well, Jack's still around. (laughs) (laughs) So we we keep bringing our mediocrity to the table. I love it, man. Let's make normal great again, all right? Come on, man. Yes. Making average great again. That's my new hat. Oh, I love it. My God. All right. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, I'm going to give you the last word. What do you got? No, oh, dude. I, I tell you what, uh, when, when things are kind of dark, when, when Jesus is leading us not to placid, quiet waters and green pastures, but into a dark valley, um, you got to look for those glimpses of grace. And dude, we would not be doing this if it had not been for this orange yeah, moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I just love that God just keeps dropping these moments of grace. And I hope that it's not just life-giving for us. I mean, what a blast. If if Mark had forgotten to hit record or live or what, and, and we found out later it was just the four of us, it wouldn't matter. We would have Amen. It's still so well much. worth a couple hours. Yes. Yeah, dude. So just, I, I'm just grateful for you guys so much. Love you guys. And, and, uh, heaven is going to be a blast. I don't think we're ever going to get like bored in heaven because every time we turn around, there's going to be somebody else with awesome stories of grace. Mm. And this right here is just one of those examples. Like just knowing what you guys are doing out there has filled my soul, man. So, uh, God bless you guys. Can we just, can we pray for each other? Jeff, if you could just pray for, pray over City Light. Gavin and Chris, would you guys just pray over Veritas and people listening and we'll just, and we'll be done. But I feel like we need to, we need to run to the Lord right now. So yeah, Jeff and then Gavin and Chris, you can close us out. Amen. Yeah, Jesus. I, I just love what you're doing there in Omaha and, uh, and both of us live in cities, Lord, where, the world isn't looking to Omaha and Iowa City. Um, we're just in these outposts here. Um, but it's an example of your grace. It's it's an example that there there are no forgotten people, no forgotten cities. Uh, Jesus, when you died and rose again, you had us in mind, and it blows our minds. I just pray that your spirit, Lord, would 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 fill the sails of city light that that Gavin and Chris themselves would feel a fresh burst of wind from the spirit to take city light in fresh new directions, uh, explore new territories, expand the, the, the boundaries and uh, Lord that you, that'd be from you that they would find themselves being guided and pushed along and that they would have these exhilarating moments where they realize that neither of them have their hand on the rudder. Man, it's just you, Lord, just doing it for them. And it would be exhilarating and, and that people would be along uh, just for the, the grace that you are blowing into the, into the sails. So love these guys, Lord. I'm grateful for them. And may this be 
like a shining moment for your church when everything else gets stripped away, Lord, that, that city light would find that this is a, a time of Renaissance that, that fresh things would happen because you're all over it. Lord. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Jesus. We pray for Veritas. God, what a bright spot uh, in their community. God, it's been an absolute miracle to watch them grow and expand and multiply and um, God, it's just a, a joy to sit here, a part of the Big C Church with two brothers who are just very simply teaching the Word of God, shepherding your flock, um, shining light on the good news of the gospel, and to see it be so fruitful. I pray the same for them, that in this season, in very ordinary, simple ways, that, that people would see the extraordinary glory of Jesus Christ in His gospel um, in Iowa City, in the whole region. God, same thing. Would you, in this season not actually decrease the church, but increase the influence and the purity mm -hmm. of the church. Would you root out the idols in their congregation and both of our congregations? And would it be both purifying and a growing experience? God, I pray for Jeff and Mark, give them joy, friendship, renewed energy at home to lead their families, love their wives, um, renewed vigor in the church to shepherd, pick up the phone, even after six hours of FaceTime when we hate screens to continue to press forward and move toward people. And God, I pray that the Huskers would absolutely dominate mm. the Hawkeyes. Mm. Like just obliterate mm. them. And so we pray for your special grace for that. Um, feel bad for Iowa, but um, we need to stick it to them. So Lord, we love you. You are so good. We praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. The Lord, hears me, uh, the pray people. Yes, we want to pray right now. Jesus, also, I want to just, I felt like, God, you were you were pressing my heart to just pray for the leaders. So I want to pray for all the elders of Veritas Church that uh, I thank you for them. I thank you for the way that you prepared them, the way that you've literally made them holy and given them a love for you and this local church. Um, I want to just pray that they would have unity, that they would have a love for your people and your church, that they would not lose heart as they lead through this season but they, you would strengthen their affections for Jesus all the more in this season to strengthen their affection for this local church, bond them and knit them together as a family. I want to pray for all those who are leading groups and making calls and trying to be a life giver. Uh, I, I think about uh, those who are just going above and beyond to check in on the saints and they're just trying to live out the biblical one another's. Would you sustain them in the great work of, um, pursuing the body of Christ and using their gifts to build others up. Would you sustain them in being a life giver and a prayer warrior and a friend? So Lord, would you, would you do that work in their church? And I pray that you provide for all of their needs. And I pray that they would come out of this season and there'd be lots of people that would have been looking in, hearing the gospel, and there'd be a new wave of discipleship and baptisms at the end of this thing. So God, would you give them that, uh, save people in Iowa city, God, um, I pray that you would you would call dead things to life and that, Lord, you would make this church holy and happy in you and you'd continue to use it to not just be faithful to your word, but fruitful in its reach. God, would you would you, would you do that? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's right. Amen. 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 Well, guys, thanks for the invite. Yes. Awesome. And uh, we managed to get through this whole call. I was going to I was going to roll a grenade into the middle of our call um, and ask you guys about how you're thinking through this, the SBA loan assistance thing. Uh, oh, for next time. time. For next time. Yes. But ah! next time, I want to get that. Uh, I will be yeah, praying for you guys to have wisdom through this and all that. But, yeah. man, love you guys. Thanks so much for jumping on. You bet. Hey, we may ask you to return the favor on multiple
location Monday one of these weeks. Yes. Awesome, no. Stay tuned for an invite. All right. God All right. Bless. Love yes. you guys. Love you. We'll talk Love to you guys. Bye-bye.